0: that the the prateaveda the the details of the eveda that we do in this world why do we do what we do we do what we do because Seder Tarsus looks the way it looks. Fine. Time works the way time works. If time worked a different way, so then we do different things. Fine. So any level of godly reality that's so to speak responsible. When we say responsible, we mean there's uh, a kaddish Baruch who put himself into a situation so to speak where certain aspects of his reality are relate to creation or and are involved in creation. Why is that? Because he decided that. There's also certain aspects of his reality that are completely transcendent of that, right? And, maintain, and, and, and even though they're part of the process of, of, of light emanating downward from Atzimus until finally it ends up being the source of worlds, so they're part of that process, but they're completely transcendent of the end point of that process. Just what are they? Just transcendent levels of godly reality. They have nothing to do with this world. Right? Okay. Fine. That being said, those levels have nothing to do with the way the world looks, so to speak. So the, the way things happen in this world is of no interest to those levels of godly reality, so to speak. Because they have nothing to do with that level of reality. Right? They're completely transcendent of it. There's levels of godliness, and again, this is all because the Kodesh Baruch decided to do this. He's the one who decided he wanted to create worlds, so then he that means he took, parts of himself so to speak and turned himself into a creator that means he made certain aspects of himself available to be part of this creative process and, 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 and they're affected very. and those levels of godly reality are affected by the creative process why? well because he chose to do that that's what he, cho- he doesn't have to he didn't have to do anything, he can do whatever he wants but that's what he chose to do and he chose to have a relationship with you and I and we, up until this, until yesterday, we understood that relationship to be a function of we're part of sederis tashlus, and and what we do affects sederis tashlus in a in a in a positive or chas the opposite way. And we're able to do that because we're part of sederis tashlus, and on a certain level, we're the most important part of sederis tashlus. Not on a certain level. We are the, we're the ultimate purpose of Seder Ishtar and Araveda and people. And Veda down here affects the whole system. The metaphysics of it, all of it. That's who we are. Why? Because the decided that that's what he wanted to do. Okay. Fine. Yesterday we learned something quite astounding. We learned that we affect Atmos. Okay. So then about what level of reality could it be said, what does the Kodesh Baruch care whether you shech from the front of the neck or the back of the neck, so the Rebbe explained that. We very quickly at the end of Shira yesterday, and what does the Rebbe say? So let's, well, let's read it inside again. We'll see. Read it inside because it was the it was the uh, after eight thirty, and I think everybody's brain turns off after eight thirty. Ve'yesh everybody's busy shechting sheep already. Ve'yesh leimer, shazeh sh'amru chazal. That which Chazal said, Ma ichbis leila Kodesh Baruch, what does the Kodesh Baruch care whether we shack from the front of the neck or the back of the neck? At no point does Chazal say, what does the Kodesh Baruch care whether we do mitzvahs or not? It's not true. Our mitzvahs affect atzmus. Why? Why? Because atzmus decided that our mitzvahs affect atzmus. Right? Not because there's anything about us that's so incredible that we affect atzmus. The Eivishter decided that he is willing to allow us to affect the essence of his being, by virtue of what we do. Whoa. That's what he decided. Why? Because that's the relationship he wants with us. Which is really quite astounding. It's amazing. Okay. That being said, so so then what does Mach mean? So the Rebbe says an amazing thing. Kai Veda aveda atzma. That's relevant, Kai, relevant to the Aveda itself. Dahainu, what does that I mean? Prate Aveda. The details of the Aveda. Meaning the reason that we checked from the front of the neck and the, not the back of the neck is a detail based on the way cows look. The way cows look down here in Eil It's the way cows look, right? What if cows look differently? So we check them differently, right? If the week had eight days, not seven days, so then every eight day would be Shabbos. What difference does it make? It matters. Right, it happens to be seven. Oh, and seven is very, very important because seven is what nature's all about, and eight is lamailiminis, is beyond nature. And so, of course, it has to be that Shabbos is seven because Shabbos is the highest point in the natural system, and it's not a level completely beyond the natural system. And what if the natural system were eight? So, guess what? I would guess Brismila would be on the ninth day. Right? And all that we say about eight, we'd say about nine. And would anything happen? No. Because why is it eight? Because it just is. Because that's just the way the world works. Because God decided to create a world where there are seven days. Why? Because there are seven midays. Well, why didn't God create himself, so to speak, with eight midays, <laughs> And then there would be eight days. He could do that, right? <clears throat> none, of it's, none, none of it's of absolute necessity. It's all based on what a good worker wants. Why are there 10 spheres? Because God wants there to be 10 spheres. And if he wanted there to be 13 spheres, there'd be 13 spheres. And you'd probably have seven fingers on one hand and six on the other. Or maybe eight on one and five on the other. I don't know. It'd be hard. I don't think you'd have six and a half on one and six and a half on the other. It'd be hard to have 13 spheres, right? Because they would be like, you know, okay, so say 12. 12 spheres. So we'd have six fingers. Why? Because everything would be base 12. But it wouldn't be base 12. It'd still be base 10. Because you'd count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, some other number, some other number, and then 10. And what would 10 be? One group of 12s and zero units. Why? Because everything would be 12. What you and I call 12. Why? Because God decided that. But he didn't decide that. Instead, he decided 10. Why? So everything works out. Perfectly. And it would work out perfectly with 12, and it would work out perfectly with 14, and it would work out perfectly with 20. So He can do whatever he wants, so it doesn't matter. Right. and there could be could there be seven basic colors yes there could be seven basic colors why does there have to be three right. because god decided in gashmias there should be three let there be seven nothing has to be it's all because that's what he decided okay and that decision is 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 what makes seder socialist look what seder socialist looks like so could there be 12 spheres? There'll be 12 spheres. Fine. So how would it divide? 4 and 8? I don't know. Nine. 3 and 9? 5 and 7? Right? Because, I mean, right now, how do we divide up to 10? 3 and 7, right? 3 of sechel and 7 of emotions. Right? Okay. How do you divide up to 12? I don't know. Who knows? Could there be something other than Sechel and midas? Yeah. Whoa, that's really hard. What would that be? What would there be in addition to intellect and emotion? What would we look like if God created us with some third aspect of our reality? Well, we can't look like that. We can look like whatever he wants. It just happened to want us to look like we look. Okay. And interestingly enough, genetically, my brother saw some article on the internet that was fascinating. It helps you appreciate how unique you are genetically the genetic makeup of you the chances of all of those things that you are getting together to become you in the unique way that you are is exactly the same chance as finding one drop of water in the Pacific Ocean and picking it out you're looking for one specific drop okay find that drop in the ocean that's you. That's pretty astounding. So we couldn't look different? How do I stand right that? <laughs> okay. So the average thing can do. That's what's so astounding about creation, that it is the way it is, and everybody takes it for granted. This is the way it has to be. Nothing has to be. And even when I said this, when we say, well, this level gives, the, it gives light to this level, and that's the way it has to be, and if it doesn't, then this is what would happen, that's all true. But that's only because the Kodesh Baruch decided that's the way it is, and if he decided it would be a, w- a different way, so it would be a different way. It did, it, but he did decide that it works a certain way, so then you and I can understand the patterns of it all, just like the scientists can understand the patterns of nature. So we learn the patterns of metaphysical reality. It's called Siddis, right? right? And it has patterns. It has a natural way of doing things. Why? Because the Kodesh Baruch decided that's the natural way that it does things. That's what he did. Right? The same way he decided that in springtime, things come out of trees and turn into, you know, little buds and ultimately turn into fruit. That's what he decided. Why didn't he just decide that every now and then an apple shows up? He didn't do it that way. Why not? No, no, no. He didn't want to. For whatever reason, he couldn't do it that way. He can do whatever he wants. Well, we know he can do it that way. He got our own staff to do that overnight, right? Even though it's not connected to the ground, right? It sprouted. It sprouted, uh, you know, buds and then flowers and then fruit. Overnight. Iron staff in the story of Parshish Kairach. Right? Can't do that? You can do whatever he wants. Right? Okay. So now, that level of whatever he wants, where does that all take place? That all takes place in what we've learned. Arach, down through Seder Yishtosh. what you and I call the natural order. Right, so there's the metaphysical natural order, which the scientist doesn't know about, and then there's the physical natural order, which he does know about. Right? Okay. So the physical natural, why do cows look the way they look? Because the because stasheles looks the way it looks. So a cow looks the way it looks, because in the merkava. A shore looks the way a shore looks in the Merkava. What if the shore in the Merkava looked differently? So then the shore down here would look different, right? The Merkava that Yechezkel sees, he sees Panay, shore, Panay, aria. Okay, so why does an aria look like an aria? Because up there in the Merkava, that's what an aria looks like up there in Elam Abriya. Right? So that's what an aria looks like. A lion looks like down here. Fine. And what if it looked like different, something different up there? So it looks like something different down here. Right? A lion would have a pouch stand on its back legs, and little baby lions would grow in the pouch. And we'd still call it a lion, not a kangaroo. <laughs> what would happen? Well, nothing would happen. Okay, Say there, so a lion would be a what do they call it, usurpial? So a lion would be a you. you, I think that's what they're marsupial. Marsupial, thank you. Marsupial. No, you, not you, serpio. Marsupial. (laughs) Mr. Supial, not you, Serpio. Right, Marsupial. Okay, so a lion would be a marsupial. What's going to happen? God can make a lion a marsupial if he wants. He can do whatever he wants. Okay. So that's sedustash. That's how sedustashlus works. It has rules. And those rules are because God wants those rules to be. But there are rules, right? And w- there's a level completely beyond those rules. That's nothing to do with that. That's called atik. So that's what the Rebbe says. This is an amazing thing. When, when Chazal say, Ma Chazal is saying, atik is so removed from Seder Yishtar that atik has nothing to do with the, what Seder Yishtar looks like. So even though atik, is a level of godly reality that ultimately is part of this whole process that ends up becoming a cow down here in Eilam that's ready to be shechted to become part of a cholent. How that happens is irrelevant to Atik because the whole nature of the cow is completely re- irrelevant to Atik because Atik is transcendent and that has nothing to do with it. It's nothing to do with that level of reality. Avala a but. The result of the Aveda? now that seder ishtashelus looks like seder ishtashelus looks, and in nature certain things have to happen. So the result of the Aveda, Sha'al yodah that through this Aveda, nas et for is it's brought about the purification of the briers, like like it says in the maimer in, in in the in the Mimer chazal right the chazal said the mitzvahs were given to purify the briers. Right, the mitzvahs are given within seder ishtaslus <coughs> to elevate that created reality in the way it can be elevated. and It can only be elevated if it's treated in terms of what it is and how it works. So when you shecht, you shecht the front of the neck of the cow. That's how you shecht the cow, because that's what cows look like. And again, if the cow looked the opposite, so you check the back of the neck. What the we The top would be that the front would be on the top instead of the bottom. Seder, so you shecht the top. Who cares? No, but that's not how cows look. Cows look like you know, like we look, right? That the front of the neck is over here. Okay. So that's the part that you shech on the cow. <coughs> and that brings about seed of Shegam Shigambri's ba'alma. That even simple creations bri'khusas, a lowly creation. Na'set cedar if it can be brought about purification. It's here uh, in zikuratu to to Words of purification. This is the transformation of transforming the physical object from a piece of yesh into a piece of ayin. In other words, transforming it from a a simple physical creation into something that reveals by virtue of doing the mitzvah with it. Connecting it to its source. This affects that affects atzimus. The fact that we do the mitzvah the right way affects Atzmus. What the right way is, well, that's all a function of Seder Yishtalishas and Attik, so to speak, isn't affected. It's a for such a thing in Gashmias, <coughs> if a is necessary. The creatures from all sorts of planets are going to meet at the space station. In, in, up there, okay? So the earthlings make a spaceship and the Martians make a spaceship, and the Venetians make a spaceship, and the Plutons make a spaceship, and the Neptunians make a spaceship, and everybody's making spaceships. Okay, so, now, the people, who the, the, the beings, the beings that live on Saturn, what do they have to do to get to the space station to meet us all, to make a spaceship? What, what do they have to do to make that spaceship? What's that spaceship all about? You're making the spaceship. What do you have to do? Comfortable seats. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but that's not gonna work. Huh? What do you have to do? What does this spaceship have to do? Well, yeah. Fly. Okay, wait. So it has to fly. What what's shot? So make a Boeing 737 800 max. It'll fly for a while. Will it get you to the space station? What do you have to do to get to the space station? Make a rocket trip. Make a rocket ship, and what, are the, what do you have to do to this rocket ship? Lots of fuel. Lots of fuel, yup, you need lots of fuel. Okay, forget it, we're not doing it. Cortez, whatever her name is, she said we can't do it, because using all the fuel, and she wants it for her pl- flights around America, spouting climate control. Yeah? No? On her private plane. What? No? It's for Harry and Megan. They have to jet back and forth between North America and England, you know? They're worried about climate control. <coughs> no? <laughs> what? No, seriously, what do you have to do to build this spaceship? What do you have to do? What's the single thing? You, you, need, you need something to do something. What do you need? What do you have to do? What do you have to overcome in order to make this spaceship go to where you want it to go? You want to go to the space sta- the, the intergalactic space station up there? Where is the gravity of their planet? What? You need to get out of their Oh, you have to get out of, out of what of their planet? You're right. Pull. The, the gravitational pull of their planet. So you need enough thrust on the rocket to get out of the gravitational pull of their planet, right? Okay, how much thrust do you need on Saturn relative to Earth? A lot more, right? Because the gravitational pull of Saturn is a lot greater than the gravitational pull of Earth because Saturn's, yeah, I don't know, 10 times as huge, right? It's much bigger than Earth. Okay, so whatever the gravitational pull of, I mean, the man on the moon, psh, he just basically goes... And he say, you know, it's no big deal, right? He just, you know, has some gas and he gets out of the gravitational pull of the, of, of the moon. Okay, it does, it's not so much, right? It's a sixth of the earth, right? I, I mean, you guys weren't around when this was happening, right? When when they landed on the moon, I think the third, the, the, the third, no, the second mission, the, the first one we only saw a, 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 a you know, like a, we, there was no camera on the moon the first time. Right. The second time, there was actually a camera on the moon, you could see the guy walking around on the moon, and it was really cool. And what was one of the things he did? The guy, one of the astronauts, he took a golf ball and a golf club. Why? Because <laughs> he wanted to hit a golf ball 700 yards, right? So he was, he was in this suit, you know, he's all like bundled up, and they took a picture of him. And he's sitting there, he goes, whap! And the thing just takes off, right? Now, he couldn't <laughs> hit it like he could on a golf course in Florida because he was covered with all these clothes, but he gave it a real whack, and he said, nah, that was amazing because it went just forever because the sixth uh, the gravitational pull. So he hit a drive straight for 700 yards. That's what he wanted to do his whole life, right? <laughs> he did it. That's what he did up there, right? Okay, it's one of the things they did up there. They picked up a lot of rocks also. Okay, fine. So you need you need a spaceship that has enough thrust to get out of the gravitational pull of your your planet. And every planet's different, right? Okay. True? So so Saturn needs 10x and Earth needs x and Moon needs 1 x and all the rest, whatever they need. I, I'm not sure. The, Saturn's not the biggest. Which is the biggest? Jupiter. 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 So Jupiter needs, like, <laughs> just, you know, that guy, he's still there. He like... Keeps going up and falling down. He didn't make it to the meeting because he couldn't figure out how to get his rocket off Jupiter. Okay. So that's what they're all doing. And then they make it to the space station. And they're all hanging around in the space station. Now, what's interesting about this space station? What doesn't exist in that space station? Gravity. No gravity up there. Uh, I mean, the space station itself creates a little bit, but I mean, basically, there's no gravity up there. They're all floating around up there, right? Because it's in space. So what now becomes absolutely irrelevant? How they got there? What does it make? Right? Up there, it's absolutely irrelevant how they got there. Everybody had to get there based on the reality of the world or the planet they came from. Okay, but up there, that's irrelevant. <laughs> what does it make? Because you're no longer in a place of gravity, so whatever gravitational pull you had to deal with, who cares? So does the guy from Saturn look any different than the guy from Earth because of the gravitational pull that he... What difference does it make? Are they talking about that up there? No. Because there's no gravity up here. Okay. think there's no gravity. So there's nothing to talk about. How did you get here? Oh, you're down there where there's a cow and you have to shut the cow this way, and not that way. Okay, that's your issue down there. That has nothing to do with up here. That's so to speak. What the what the Rebbe is saying is the is the pshat in the in the in the in the in the uh, in the Medrash. <coughs> what is atik here? Atik is completely transcendent to it. That's all Atik and down. Okay, fine. But what do we? But, but once we do it the way we have to do it, now if the guy from Saturn doesn't have enough thrust in his rocket to get out of the gravitational pull of Saturn, he'll never make it to that spaceship. So it certainly matters as long as he's in Saturn. But once he gets out of Saturn, then what does he make? Who cares? <laughs> so he used this much fuel or that much fuel, this much thrust, that much. It's irrelevant. Doesn't matter in the least. To get from out of the gravitational pull to the spaceship, what does he have to do? The same thing that everybody else has to do. Mine? They're all in the same space now. Right. They've got up out of their gravitational pull, and then they have to give a little zets because they have to get over there. Right, so they give a little zets, and they zip, they zip over there, and they dock on the station. And there's a bigger dock for the Saturn spaceship. Okay, because it has to be bigger because it had to get out. Okay, that's irrelevant up here. <coughs> that's a residue from down there. And about this it says, serve God and I will remove. <coughs> so now the rabbi dealt with the, with the apparent contradictions in the Maimar Chazal. And now the rabbi just ties up one point of why it says, I will remove sickness from your midst, as opposed to I will keep you healthy because removing sickness takes a greater koyach than keeping you healthy, right? Preventative medicine is easier than curative medicine. That's what I'm saying here. And not like it said before this, this pasach is in Parshas, in Parsha's Mishpatim. In Parshas Besholach, which we're going to hit in a few weeks, right, it says, It says, now, interesting, this is also first person, but it, this is in the context of Yudke Vavke talking. Right? I mean, Yudke Vavke is talking, and so Yudke Vavke is saying I, referring to Yudke Vavke, not Atsumas. Okay? Don't let that confuse you. Kola Machla, what does the Pasuk say? Any disease that I put on Mitzrayim, I won't put upon you. Oh.
1: Okay, so that's a lower level
0: of miracle. It's still miraculous, but it's a lower level of miracle. Why? Doesn't take as great a power of a Kaddish Borahu to keep a person healthy than to cure someone who's sick. Cure, curing someone is a greater miracle. Someone who's deathly ill all of a sudden becomes better. All of us will notice the miraculous nature of that. The fact that someone stays healthy—that could also be. I mean, not only could it; it is a function of a Kaddish Hu's will, but the will is much less obvious and less spectacular. <coughs> all right, so that's what it says over there. And that's just within the context of Yudkei Vavke, nature. The source of the, the Ur that's drawn down into the natural world, that's Yudge Vavke. The source of the Ur of Seder Ishtal Shilas. In the pasuk that any sickness I won't give you I won't put upon you that's only speaking about the possibility of a sickness and the, the, the this possibility won't come into actuality meaning a person could theoretically be sick but it won't happen right so that's one level of godly intervention so to speak. But this pasuk, our pasuk, I will remove sickness. There's a greater, there's a greater, there's a greater novelty in this pasuk when there actually is a sickness, not only the possibility of a sickness, but there is one, there'll be the removal of this sickness. For the removal of the sickness, obviously that takes a greater power. In Gashmias that takes a greater power, in natu- in the natural world, so too in godly levels. And that's why relative to Atzimus it says I will remove sickness as opposed to simply I will, I will, uh, I will prevent it. Shekva Yeshna B'feil a machla that already exists. Yesh so Tsarik B'keiach El There's the need for a greater power. Valzen Namar. And regarding this, it says Vasiroisi. I will move Baloshen Nechach First person. Shekayal Atzmos That's a greater power of the Abish. Okay, fine. So we just learned Araveda affects Atzmos. That's what we learned. Fine. Now what? So now there's two different things that the Rebbe was going to do in the rest of the Mimer. What is a Veda? That's the next step. And how do you do that? That's the next step. All right? Okay? That's why this mimer is such an important mimer. And now now it's all a Veda. Up until now, there's been a skola in the mimer. We're learning different aspects of godly reality. Atik, arach. How our mitzvahs affect this level and not this level, or yes, this level, etc. Okay, when we say our mitzvahs don't affect atik, it doesn't mean our mitzvahs don't affect atik. It means atik is transcendent of the level of reality responsible for what we do actually when we do the mitzvah. But uh, do mitzvahs affect all levels of godliness? Absolutely. Okay. Now, what is avedi? That's the next step. Vehina <speaking> inyun in Rabbi explains. And the mitzvahs Shehi Right, which is one of our questions at the beginning of the Mimer. Why is what we do called the Veda? Right? Why? Well, because the Rebbe explained at great length, at the beginning, again, the second paragraph in the Mimer, page, it was probably 322. Right? The Rebbe explains, <coughs> excuse me, the Rebbe explains that that Aveda, the word evid is shayach to the relationship of an Adon and an evid, a master and a servant. And the servant is necessary to bring about a fulfillment of the master's desire. Without the servant, the master can't do what the master wants. He wants a, a, a huge field full of, full of wheat. Well, he can't do that alone. Right? He can't grow it and cut it and sell it. He can't do that alone. What does he need? He needs a Vadim to help him do that. Why can't he do it alone? Because he's lacking. Is there anything that the Kaddish Baruch is lacking? Absolutely not. So then why does the Kaddish Baruch need our Avedah? Right? Why is such why, meaning, why is what you and I call, do called Veda? Because that would seem to indicate a relationship where what we do is necessary. But we know it's not necessary. That doesn't mean the Kurdish Baruch doesn't want it. right? But he, he needs it? And without it, he's lacking? Well, even if we say that, we're only saying that because that's what he decided. But not in absolute terms, right? The Abisha could decide that for whatever reason he needs our Aveda, right? Okay, I'm going to create a situation where I'm going to put myself in a situation where I'm dependent on them. Okay, fine. But that's not absolute, that's just because he decided to do that. Absolutely, he's not dependent on us, we know that. So then, why is what we do called Aveda? That was the the first question the Rebbe asked. Okay. Okay. Why is it called that? Kai Be'ikr, that relates essentially al-Aveda bi-Yira v'Kabal soul. Relates specifically to the beginning of our Aveda, the first step in Aveda. And what's that? Yira, awe, and Kabbalah soul commitment. Because if there's one thing we know about an Evid relative to his Adon, he's committed. He does what he has to do. He wants to, he doesn't want to, As so he's doing it. Right, he understands the relationship and understands that the master is the master and he's the evid and whatever the master wants gets done. That's the relationship of an evid to another. And so too a yid understands that the evishter is the evishter and whatever the Abishter wants has to get done. I-, I feel like it, I don't feel like it. Okay, sometimes I'm more inspired, sometimes I'm less inspired. Commitment is that which transcends inspiration. Right. Someone who's not committed so they only do what they do when they're inspired. I feel like getting up. Okay, so I'll get up. I don't feel like getting up. I won't get up. That's not called Kabbalah Soul. That's based on inspiration. Okay, what's Kabbalah Soul? Kabbalah Soul is, I I, I have to get up. Why? I don't know. I just say, you have to go to work. That's the way it is. I want to go to work today. I don't want to go to work today. I'm inspired to go to work today. I'm not inspired to go to work today. An adult doesn't listen to the alarm and make a decision, hmm, am I going to get up today? He just gets up. Why? Because he has a job. He's just has to get there. That's the way it is. There's a, a bus that leaves at such and such a time that he has to catch, or there's traffic that takes so long and it takes, you know, he has a car and it takes him so long to get there so he has to leave his house by such and such a time in order to get to work on time. And that's what he does every day. Why? Because he's called an adult. That's what adults do. Right? They're committed to something. What are they committed to? I I don't know. I mean, that commitment can be understood in many, many different ways. The commitment of that guy going to work every day. I would imagine when, you know, when it all, when push comes to shove, it's uh, probably has a lot to do with his commitment to the welfare of his family. And he realizes that, that for the welfare of his family, he has to get up and go to work every day. I mean, there's other things in there. There's himself in there, and his own hang-ups, and his own ego, and all that. Okay, that that'll be involved in his decision to be committed to this. Okay, but a lot of it is just commitment to the the fact that he's an adult and he realizes that he has responsibilities, and those responsibilities are to other people, and he's committed to making sure that those responsibilities are fulfilled. Him. What does that mean? He gets up and goes to work every day. That's what he does. Why? Because if he doesn't do that, then his kids don't have clothes, and he wants to make sure his kids have clothes, and he can't not go to work. Okay. So that's called commitment on the simplest level. Relative to the Evishter, what does that mean? It's the beginning of a, of a relationship with the Evishter. I'm committed to him. Do I necessarily feel anything? Well, we'll see. Not necessarily. We'll see. We'll see what the Rabbi said. <coughs> that's the averid of an me. An Evid doesn't take up space regarding himself. Meaning what? What does the Evid understand? The avid understands that in his relationship with the other, in the other matters and he doesn't. That's his understanding of his relationship with his other. That doesn't mean that he's useless and worthless and horrible and terrible. Doesn't mean that at all, right? other very useful, right? Without him, the master, there's all sorts of things the master can't do. But that being said, Still, ultimately, the 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 master with what this is all about. I mean, this is the master's farm, and 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 it's all about his farm and his wheat and his his welfare. That's what this is about. That's what the relationship is about. And the Evid can handle that. He's not freaked out by that. <coughs> right on the deepest level, a real Evid, She shumatsias He has no existence mitzad himself. He sees himself as an extension of the master. He's in a state of nullification to the other. Eliezer. When Eliezer describes himself in the story of finding Rivka, how does he describe himself? Eved Avram What's your name? I'm Avram's Eved. That's his name. He has no name in the story, right? You notice in the story he doesn't have a name. It's called HaEved or... He, before he has a name. But in the story, I don't believe he's not referred to as Eliezer. Right. <coughs> okay. Before the story. Da'av she that even though in terms of himself, I meaning in terms of his relationship with himself, the Evid, Befkera nichalei. Befkera means ownerlessness, right? Something that's hefker, doesn't have an owner. Nicha is good, lay to him. He's more than happy to be in a state of ownerlessness. Ownerlessness. The Evan. Meaning, he's perfectly happy to be given a day off. Right? If the master comes to the Eved and says, the next three days you're off. He's happy as can be. Right? It's not like he has to do this for the master or else he feels unfulfilled. He's more than happy. The master says, you know what, don't do anything today. Great, fantastic, I'm into it. Right? why? because Mitzat relationship with himself he's more than happy not to do something for the master it's just that he realizes that that relationship with himself isn't what life is about what life is about is his relationship to the master so he does what the master wants what's an example in a <laughs> Tachnun <laughs> right? you the, the Shliach seber says the then all of a sudden, the shliach see says, Yizgadav, Yizgadash, no tachnun, yay, no tachnun, baruch Hashem. I get to praise God less this morning, baruch Hashem. Oh, it's Monday, wow, four pages less of praising God today, baruch Hashem. I'm so happy. We talked about, I think, we talked about a few weeks ago, right, about the non-Jewish guy who... who, who worked in a shul and he saw how happy the Jews were every time they didn't have to say Tachnun so he decided he was going to be, he was going to convert to Judaism I mean, look how happy these people are they're just so happy all the time No Tachnun, yay! Like Nissan, no Tachnun a whole month, yay! What a month, great, every day no Tachnun Wow, we get so happy Why? Well, I understand, why don't we like saying Tachnun? don't like saying Tachnun In a day where you have to say Tachnun you go, you don't say Tachnun? Because you say Tachnun, what's that mean? You say Tachnun why? Because you say, Daklu, because you do have to finish So you go like this and you go like this, and then you, and then you stand up and you sit down and you say Ashrek. Like, I mean, that's just what you do, isn't it? Uh, and you don't do that because you don't feel like it? Of course, I do it. Even if I don't feel like it, I do it. Wait, wait, why would I think of not doing it? Ah, but when they tell me I don't have to, oh, wow, yay, okay, great. I'm more than happy not to do it. But if I have to do it, I'll do it. Why? Because I have to do it. But I'm more than happy not to. Okay. That's an evid. Tell an evid he has five days off. <laughs> what does he do? The average evid. What does he do? Sits and drinks himself silly for five days. Just like... I mean, not around here. <laughs> that what happens? Just hope they don't drive. All the advertisements on the television from you know December 23rd until January 2nd are all about you know don't drink and drive. Why? Because what's everybody doing? Well, they're on holidays. So what are they doing? Drinking themselves silly all day. Right? Okay. That's interesting. What do they do on a normal 27th of the month? Get up in the morning and go to work like everybody else, right? Well, I don't know. What's different about this 27th of the month? You don't have to. Ah, uh, you know. <laughs> right? May the honey Right? <laughs> That's it's so wild. I thought they just people just drunk for days. Bizarre. Okay. It's like purim every day. It's not it's not purim anymore. I know, but it's not purim. What? It's purim every day, it's not purim anymore. Yeah, it's true. You're right. It's something very serious. Right, so even though Mitzad himself nichle, meaning in terms of his, re- he has a relationship with himself. The other. definitely has a relationship with himself. He's not aware of his own self. Of course, he's aware of his own self but relative to the other, and he's in a state of Bittl, Meaning, whatever the other one wants, that's what the other one gets. I, I might not want that. That's not part of his equation, and that's called kabbalah zol. And that, we'll see, is that's the beginning of a relationship with the Kaddish Boraku. When do I know that I've entered into a relationship with the Kaddish Boraku? When I do what he wants. Even if I don't feel like it. If I'm doing it because I feel like it, and I do it when I'm inspired, and I don't do it when I'm not inspired, then that doesn't mean that what I'm doing is useless and not good. It's amazing and incredible, but it has you know, at this point, it doesn't yet have to do with a relationship with the Kaddish Boraku. It has to do with a relationship with myself. I like it when I don't like it, so then I might not do it. Okay? So it depends what that it is. I, I assume governing chakras, so that's something I do every day. So relative to chakras, okay, I've entered into a relationship with the Kodesh Boruch. Relative to other things, maybe not. Because I only do them when I'm inspired. And when I'm not feeling inspired, so I, you know, okay, I don't, I'm not so serious about that. Right? So that, that means I'm still relating to myself a lot more than I'm relating to a Kodesh Boruch. When does the relationship begin? Reishi Saavedi Vikata 41st chapter in Tanya which we've talked about a number of times which just something that everybody says before davening every morning that what, what, what do we say? we say that the, the beginning of it all is It's a commitment that's the beginning of a relationship I'm committed to the other in the relationship so now the relationship is about them it's not about me it's not about how I feel well, that's irrelevant what has to happen? what do they need? What do they want? So that's what happens. That's called a relationship. <coughs> so therefore, in this, in this, at this point, means like sort of shriveled up. He's battled to the other Meaning, what the adin wants, the adin gets. Why? Because he understands. That's who he is. Therefore, Therefore, he does and fulfills his rutsun. the rutsun of the master. V'zehu, and this is pshat reishi s'avayda, v'ikara v'sha'asha. And that's why, and that's a quote from the 41st chapter of Tanya. Reishi s'avayda, the beginning of Aveda, v'ikara, and its root, and its source, meaning the foundation of it, he evaded the Kabbalah soul? Is the evade of Kabbalah soul? Commitment. Kabbalah soul is commitment. I've accepted upon myself the yoke. Now that yoke isn't some heavy piece of cement that weighs me down and makes me feel like I'm stuck in the ground. Other That yoke is something that actually lifts me up, elevates me, and is a source of tremendous simchum. When I realize what that yoke is about, it's about entering into a relationship with the Kurdish Baruch Right? It's this year's Mimer. <coughs> Basi Lugani, of course, we talked about this when we learned Basi Lugani. Basi Lugani is is the first of four maimarim, each having five chapters, right? We all know this, right? So the Friedrich Rebbe's Maimer is a Hemshech, a continuation of four maimarim, five chapters each, 20 chapters. Our Rebbe then said a Maimer every year on Yud Shvat, in the for bringing Yud Shvat, the Rebbe would say a mimer starting with the words Basi Lagani. and what would the Rebbe do? The Rebbe would explain one of those 20 chapters, the first year, the first chapter, the second year, the second chapter, and for 20 years the Rebbe explained the 20 chapters of Basi Lagan. Then the Rebbe started again. In the 21st year, the Rebbe started with uh, chapter 1 again, and went through until Mem Memches, and then stopped. Okay, I didn't quite finish. The Rebbe stopped saying Ma'amarim after the passing of the Rebbe, since Chav Shvat of Shulamim for whatever reason. <coughs> Excuse me. So, <coughs> so every year there's a mimer that relates, or actually, to Ma'amarim that relate to that year, right? Because every year is a year in the cycle. So we're in the tenth year of the cycle, right? The first cycle ended it was Tafshin Yud Aleph to Tafshin Lamid 5730 1970 All right the second cycle started 5731 1971 to 1990 All right even though the last two years they weren't my mark the third cycle started Tafshin Nun Aleph, 1991 to Tafshin Ayin 2010 All right the 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 next Right, so uh, 2010. The next cycle started 2011. Shin Ayan Aleph. So we're now Shin Pei. We're in the 10th year of the cycle, which means the mimer, the Maimarium that people are going to learn this year. First of all, we learn Ois Yud, the 10th chapter of the Friedrich Rebbes mimer, which is the last chapter of the second mimer worthy of learning. You should learn it. It's amazing. And you'll also understand it because it's it's it, the, the, the only idea that's there, there's something that the Rabbi talks about Keresh and Sheker, which is explained in the second mimer. but much of it is a review of the first mimer, which you guys learned. All right. And then learn Tafshin Chaf, 5720, and tafshin Mem, 5740. Those two maimarim are the maimarim that relate to the tenth chapter, the tenth year of the cycle. So so at some point, I'm surprised it hasn't come out already, there'll be a little pamphlet that'll come out. It's probably online now. You can, there, Now it doesn't come out. It's online. So you just go online and download the PDF and print it. Right? There's a, of, of those, my marim. Oistess of Basi Lugani. It'll have Basilagani the five chapters, then Oistess, and then Tavshin Chaf, Tavshin Mem. Tavshin Chaf, unbelievable marim. Right? What does the Rebbe explain? The Rebbe explains how incredible it is. When a Jew thinks... Remember, well, what we're learning. How incredible it is when a Jew thinks about the fact that when he does a mitzvah, he affects atzmos, the incredible simcha and ava that he gets from such a realization. And that should be his his. Benenus. That's what he should think about. That's the meimer, tavshincha. You know I mean? It's all about what we're learning here. I mean, even though in in, in Basil Lagani, we only saw atzmos when we saw the Rebbe's first meimer. In the Friedrich Rebbe's meimer, the Friedrich Rebbe doesn't mention atzmos. He mentions... When you subdue the sitrach you bring about a revelation of our seivev. So then the Rebbe says something very interesting in tafshin Chav. What's that seivev? Seivev ha miti, real seivev. Like what's that real seivev? <laughs> it was like Sears seivev and real, soyvev. you know, Waldbeums. What's it called? Waldbeums? Is that? Right? No. What's the name of that? What's the name of that store in America? You know, Target. Target seivev and, and real seivev. Is that how it works? Right. No. it was real, seser, it means atzimus, because that's what the Rebbe told us. The Rebbe told us when we subdue the Sederach, we touch atzimus. That's what the Rebbe told us in his first Maimur. We learned it together. Right. Okay. So when the al Frida the Rebbe says Sevev, the Rebbe says he really means atsmus Okay. <coughs> so in the ten, in, 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 in later Maimur, the Rebbe explains that. And in in, 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 in Shin Chaf, the Rebbe explains it at great length. This year's Maimur. It's amazing. The Rabbi talks about the incredible simcha someone should experience by serving God because when one realizes that when you serve a Kaddish Baruchu, he quotes a Maimar a, a Kaddish Baruchu is kissing your lips when you're saying words of Torah. As your lips are saying words of Torah, Kaddish Baruchu, Atzmus, is kissing your lips as they're saying those words. Wow. <laughs> That's what happens when you learn Torah. All right. so I'm sitting and learning Torah and my phone buzzes and I think I'll take a peek ok so I'll take a peek But say that guess what the kiss just ended now I'm looking at whatever I'm looking at so may, that'll sort of maybe keep me sitting and learning the I like this kiss this is nice the Eberster is kissing my lips that's what the, that's what the Bible says the Eberster is kissing your lips as your lips are saying words of Torah and words of doubt. <clears throat> wow and that that should give a person tremendous simcha and tremendous energy to learn Torah. It certainly does. <laughs> There's no question about that. If I can think about that when I'm learning Torah, as much as I'm annoyed by the fact that this line of Gemara is completely beyond my ability to understand, I think at this point, and it's frustrating me, okay, or this teshuvah or whatever it is, right. okay. Say that. Just struggling away and talking to my chavruta about it. That the apister is giving the, both of you big kisses as as you're doing that. Wow. On the lips. Svasayim. Okay, that's that's what a mitzvah is. So mitzvahs are about <coughs> what's the beginning? <coughs> the beginning of that relationship is a commitment to that relationship. That's what the beginning of any relationship is. Is commitment. We've talked about it before. Now's not the time. That's how we do marriages. We start with commitment, and love grows out of the commitment, and that's what works. Commitment that grows out of love. You'd think it should work, makes sense that it should work, but it, the statistics say that it's a colossal failure. Right? When love is the basis of the relationship and they hope that the commitment grows out of the love, so there's a 90% failure rate in those relationships. Right? Even the ones that reach the commitment called marriage have a 50% failure rate, and most relationships don't reach that point. Right. Most people who get married have had three, four relationships that they considered very serious before they got married, and they broke up. So you figure about a ninety percent failure rate. That's not very good. And even in baseball, that's not very good. Right. <coughs> right. Do can relationships fail? Absolutely, no question. There's something in the Torah called the get because people are people and it can happen wonderful people for whatever reason the relationship didn't work out they're wonderful people it just didn't work out okay that can happen but when it's done the right way there's less chance of that and what's the right way they start with a commitment <coughs> they're committed to each other and committed to an ideal a, 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 an ideal that they share in common and what grows out of that commitment love then it lasts and it lasts baruch hashem most of them do the success rate is? No. I mean, it used to be 95%. Now it's about 85-90%. still a lot better than 10%. It's not as good as it used to be. Why? Well, because, unfortunately, a lot of the ideas of the Western world's notion of relationships are creeping into the Jewish consciousness. So relationships are failing more often than they used to. Because people are taken by the sort of gl- g- glitter of what relationships might look like based on the way the western world paints them but that's not what relationships are about and that's not what they look like it's not real it's all just glamour and glitter but it's not real and so if someone gets into that then they might that might lessen the chance of the su- success of that relationship because huh? relationships civil. are about Kabbalah, hmm? alt alt-sizzle but no statement Okay, there you go, all sizzle but no steak. Yeah, okay. Vahaynu, let's just find a, a period, or a comma, That's Well, we're not gonna find a period for a while, so we'll stop at a comma. Shalemreis, <coughs> despite heyesi. Rabbi says an amazing thing here, right? We'll read the next three lines and we'll stop. Lamreis heyesi, despite the fact that he, heyesi, he is being, his being. The mayim in a situation sheloisshines atzme. He hasn't changed himself. Rutzene his desires, sichle his intellect, midaysav his emotions. He hasn't brought about great change in himself yet. Er had nit ibergemacht. He has not made himself over ibergemacht, made over himself. Un state and he's standing in zaynerutzene. He still has the same desires. But what? Still, Hariyevid is Avaidasa Bader Kabala so he does as Avaidabader Kabala so. What does that mean? Shari Bin Aga Maisa Bafail, relative to Maisa Bafal, relative to action? Kima mitzvah Basumi Ravasite performing mitzvahs with staying away from evil and doing good, Shailhamti, <laughs> it's impossible to wait, that's <laughs> me. It's impossible to wait until he changes himself. As a husband, in the beginning of your marriage, you're going to be a perfect husband? No, I would imagine you're going to learn how to be a better husband as it goes along and you have more practice at it, right? That's usually how it works. But how in the world would you know what it means to be a husband when you first get married? Okay. So you might not necessarily have changed your Ritzainis and your Seichel and your midays. Okay, but what are you going to make sure happens? That you treat your wife the way your wife wants to be treated and should be treated and that you would like to be treated. Right, and even though that might not necessarily be in line with what you want all the time, because you might desire now and then to be set free, because I've, 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 there's so much commitment here and so much obligation, and and, and, and I, I, you know it's nice, I love it, it's incredible, but it's I, I you know I, I can't go out whenever I want and do whatever I want and 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 go wherever I want, etc. etc. Okay, so might it might be a while before a person matures to a point where he, you know, sees himself in terms of who he is and what he is and what he thinks and what he feels as, as part of this relationship completely and totally. The beginning? Probably not. How can he change overnight? Okay, so too in a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch. I'm going to change overnight? Of course I'm not going to change overnight. How am I going to change overnight? But what am I going to try to do? Kabola so I'm going to commit to doing those things that the Abishter wants. And over time, change will happen. But but I'm gonna wait until I change. That's not gabbulism. Right. There was a famous Jewish philosopher. Right. He actually had a famous name, right? Because his his he was named after the Apterov. The Apterov was the e of Yisrael, it was a very famous hasidic Rebbe in Europe. So there was a Jew who was a, you know considered a you know sort of famous Jewish philosopher in the 20th century, Abraham Joshua Heschel. So the, the Apterov was Abraham Yeshua Heschel. He was descended from. So he said, I'll keep Shabbos when Shabbos speaks to me. Okay, sort of the opposite of Kabbalah's soul, right? (laughs) You don't keep Shabbos when Shabbos speaks to you. Keep Shabbos because God wants you to keep Shabbos. Will Shabbos begin to speak to you? Yes, at some point Shabbos will probably begin to speak to you. But the only way Shabbos will ever speak to me is if I start keeping Shabbos. I don't how Shabbos is Shabbos going to speak to me? I don't have a relationship with Shabbos. How is it going to speak to me? It's not part of my reality. Oh, I know what happens every seven days, but I'm busy bowling. Really? What does is the Israelis say? What do you know what the Israelis call bowling? Bowling. I'm going to go bowling. It sounds terrible. I'm going to go bowling. That's what they say. My kids all say, I teach them. No, no, it's not called bowling. Bowling. You don't go bowling? No, 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 bowling. bowling. But it's O-W. I know, I know, but it's bowling. Bowling. Okay. it tomorrow.